May 2018. South African Carla Van Eden, 25, is found dead in her hotel room in a five-star resort in the Bahamas. Carla's death is quickly marked a suicide, but as the investigation unfolds, doubt is shed on this narrative. Was Carla murdered? Prime resources for this episode include iNews UK, The Times Live South Africa, News 24, The Herald Live South Africa, The Bahamas Local, and Tribune 242. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 115 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or have been murdered abroad. I am back um, bringing you an all new episode that I hope that you'll enjoy. Thank you for bearing with me while I took some time off. I haven't been very well. As I've talked about before, I am still waiting for a surgery date. Um, so I will be here on and off. Um, just maybe don't expect, you know, like two episodes a week. I'm kind of just building up my energy again. Um, so thank you for bearing with me. And thank you for your nice messages and things like that. Um, if you email or contact me on Patreon or anything, it might take a bit um, as I've got quite a lot on at the moment. So I hope that you're doing well at this point in the year. We have two new patrons since the last time I recorded. I'm not sure if I said Rochelle on the last episode, so I'm saying it again. And also Jess. So welcome on board. Thank you so much. If you want to become a patron, go to the Patreon app. Um, it also links off the Unknown Passage website, which is actually down at the moment. I'll be getting it back up shortly. Um, when you become a patron, you get to choose a location for an upcoming episode, which is what this episode is. Um, but this person chose a particular case, which I'm really excited to talk about. And I have a lot of questions about this case. Um, so I looked at my ever-growing list of Patreon location requests and you can choose a case or you can choose a country and as long as the case, you know, that you choose matches the layout of this podcast, I'll do it. Patron Annalise, um, who joined a few months ago, she is from a really beautiful part of the state of Queensland in Australia called Noosa, um, but she actually works on private yachts all over the world. So when she joined a few months ago, she was in Tahiti working on a private yacht and it's not really like it's a world that I'm very interested in um, and I think a lot of people are because of that show Below Deck becoming so popular, um, working on chartered yachts and things like that. So when Annalise joined and I asked her what her request was, she said, could you please do the case of Carla Van Eden? So I put it on my list and immediately I Googled it when she told me it because I thought, never heard of this before and it's not on my spreadsheet or anything like that. And I was blown away. I immediately wrote to Annalise. I cannot believe I did not have this on my list. I have never heard of it. And she basically said that the case interested her because before Carla Van Eden unfortunately died in the Bahamas, she was working on private yachts as well. So they had that in common. As I said, I've never heard of Carla's case before Annalise recommended it. And looking it up, it got so little coverage. You would think that it would get way more because of the details of it, which I'll get into. It got quite a lot of coverage from a website that I'd never heard of called iNews UK, which was brilliant. 
a little bit in the Bahamas where it happened and quite a lot in Carla's native South Africa as well. It was quite hard to find information on it. Um, so the bulk of the coverage came from those. So little of this really is about the life working on chartered yachts and things, but Carla's experience working on yachts kind of propelled her to go traveling, which is how she ended up in the Bahamas where she was unfortunately found dead. I don't exactly know how to put that yet, whether she committed suicide, whether it was a murder or whether it was an accident. And maybe together, the lot of us, you know, can figure that out. So let's talk about Carla Van Eden. South African woman Carla Van Eden was only 25 when she was found dead in her Bahamas hotel room bathroom in May of 2018. She was a really beautiful girl and as much as there's not a huge amount of photos of her out there, I've got quite a few and there's a few on her still live Instagram. Um, she had long brown hair, a really cheeky smile and big brown eyes. Um, and I'll put up pictures on the website, the Patreon um, for you to check out. Now, the time South Africa is the only one that talks about where she came from in South Africa. She was from an area called Jeffreys Bay which is a town on the Eastern Cape of South Africa. And looking it up, it is known as a surfing haven of South Africa. And it's really beautiful. Carla had two brothers. One of them has been incredibly vocal. His name is Johan and he lives in London now. He described his sister to iNews UK as happy-go-lucky, unquote. I wish I knew more about Carla's life, how she chose to work on chartered yachts, how she left South Africa, um, what her life was like growing up, but there's just not that information because as we'll get into it, you'll realise why the focus is so heavily on the details surrounding her death. It is important to note, however, that according to her friends and family, Carla had no history of depression, mental health issues, and she was in a really good place in her life. Not long before she had died, she had gone traveling long-term. She had broken up with a boyfriend of hers who was working on the same yacht that she was working on. So that was making things really weird and awkward, as she would put it. I'm not sure how long they were together or how this affected Carla, um, but it doesn't seem to be that much of a big deal. They were still very young and her brother has stated that the breakup was amicable um, and these things happen. Now, Carla had been working on private yachts as a stewardess and it's tough work, it's long hours and it's not always the glamorous thing that I guess you see on below deck and things like that. I don't know how long she had been doing it for, I can't find that information, but I have to think around three years and that's based off her Instagram, which I'll get into. She then took leave from this job to go traveling around the world. I wish I knew more of what she saw or did, but I do know that she went to North America, she went to London, she was in Spain before that, she took a trip back home to South Africa, and now she was in the Bahamas in May 2018 when she died. The Bahamas are a famous chain of 16 main islands, but it's actually thousands of islands in the Caribbean. The part of the Caribbean that it is in is called the West Indies um, and the Bahamas span around 500 miles. It's a huge area. 
their position to the east of Florida and kind of south of Cuba. And they're obviously famous for their luxury hotels and stunning beaches, turquoise, you know, Caribbean waters. And it's quite an expensive area to live and to visit. And I've read a lot of TripAdvisor reviews just ranting about even just a water bottle is $10. The Commonwealth country was once part of Britain, but it has had its independence since 1973. They do speak English as their official language. Bahamians, is that how you say it? The Bahamas are rich. Um, it's one of the most expensive places in the world to live and to work. The capital is Nassau. I think that's how you say it. Um, I've heard it said Nassau as well. I'm going to say Nassau. And our story today takes us to an area of the Bahamas, which is called Paradise Island. Sounds perfect, which is just off Nassau. Nassau is the capital and then Paradise Island is literally just off the coast a short distance from Nassau. In terms of crime in the Bahamas, the Bahamas are relatively safe, but with so much tourism, obviously comes petty crime. Um, and we've gone to quite a lot of places in the Caribbean and this part of the world, and it's just part and parcel of, you know, um, locals not earning a whole amount, but tourists splashing out a whole amount. In terms of crime, you're more likely to come up against, you know, petty crime if you are going to have anything happen to you in the Bahamas. The capital, Nassau, is the least safe place. But where we're going today, Paradise Island is very safe um, and it's home to luxury hotels and places where international tourists go to really live it up. So let's talk about Carla's time, her short time in the Bahamas. So as far as I can tell, Carla traveled down to the Bahamas on her own. It seems to me from her Instagram, which is still live, that she knew people all over the world from her time working on yachts. And she always managed to find people and meet people. Um, but this trip was after she had been in California um, and parts of the States. And then she traveled down to the Bahamas. She was only going to be there for three or four days. And then she was going to travel back up to the States to meet a friend and then to Central America, um, which I'll get into in a minute. So Carla headed down to the Bahamas. Now I'm going to just say quickly off the bat that some people think it would be weird to go to like a luxury beach resort by yourself. I don't at all. Um, I went to Greece by myself. I went to Spain by myself when I was traveling around the world and everywhere you go, you meet people who are traveling solo. So first of all, I don't think that's weird um, at all. Now, Carla was alone in the Bahamas when she checked into her luxury hotel, which is called the Atlantis. It's one of the leading hotels in the Bahamas. She checked in on May 14th, 2018, and I'm going to try to make this timeline as straightforward as possible. It takes place over 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th. Um, and it's important to know the order in which things happen. So Carla's plan was to spend three days on Paradise Island. She was then on the 17th going to head back up to Las Vegas to meet a friend of hers um, who she was who was in the States at the time. Her brother said that she was then the following week after seeing her friend in Vegas going to head back down to Guatemala. She had booked herself into some Spanish classes in Guatemala. Um, so she was traveling quite a lot and she had a ton to look forward to. 
The Atlantis Hotel is five-star luxury hotel. There's actually the Atlantis Resort. There's a number of hotels that make up the Atlantis and they've all got different names. So Carla's one that she was working at was called the Royal, which I'll get into. Sorry, staying at. So the Atlantis Paradise Island, I'm going to read to you from their official website. Now, they officially opened as part of a smaller hotel group in 1968, but today um, they are big. Quote, Atlantis Paradise Island is a lush oceanside resort located on Paradise Island, a dynamic destination that launched over two decades ago as a first-of-its-kind modern marvel of nature and engineering. Atlantis has embarked on a new chapter tied to a meaningful connection with the ocean. Bahamian culture and the spirit of the property's over 7,500 employees. The resort's new immersive programming connects guests to the rich history, art, people, food and festivities of the Bahamas, unquote. So this is a huge hotel and they talk about how it was first of its kind a couple of decades ago. Looking at pictures of it, it's kind of like an early Marina Bay Sands um, in Singapore. The hotel has heaps of pools, water parks. It has this Mayan water slide thing, which is really cool. Bars, restaurants, spas, a golf course, poolside cabanas, um, a casino. You don't have to leave this resort at all during your time. They even have their own private beaches and their own dolphin enclosure for rescued dolphins. So there are a number of hotels within the complex with different names, but the one that Carla was staying at was called Atlantis Royal Towers Paradise Island. So keep that in mind because I'm going to get more into that and what I researched in regards to this hotel um, further down when I break down my views at the end of this episode. As of this week, if you were looking to stay there, um, it's around $500 a night for a basic room. And it has around like a four out of five booking.com rating for the Royal Towers, although so many people on TripAdvisor said it was terrible um, and that it was really dirty and they've really lowered their standards and things like that. And obviously the cost of things, I think, really like pushes people over the edge when they get to the Bahamas. So while researching this, um, a news article came up It was basically someone had asked Google, has anyone ever died at the Atlantis Paradise Island? And it did not mention Carla, but it mentioned that in the year 2000, a five-year-old Canadian girl there with her parents for a holiday had died after being sucked into a drain in the swimming pool um, at the Atlantis Royal Towers. So not good, but also not a murder. So um, I hope that they were done for negligence after that. So when Carla got to the Atlantis on the 14th of May, she rang her good friend Lauren, who will come into play later. They never say who Lauren is or where she is, but I get the feeling that Lauren was the one that she was going to meet in Las Vegas. Lauren didn't answer, it went to voicemail, so... Um, Carla left a really excited voicemail on the phone stating that the following morning on May 15th, she was going to swim with dolphins. She had booked her spot um, in the Dolphin Key, which is part of the Atlantis Resort. She would paid a $150 deposit to take part in this because it's not cheap. Um, so she'd put that money down and she was really excited to be doing it. Now, looking up 
the Atlantis Dolphin Key. It says that it's part of the Atlantis. It's a rescued dolphin sanctuary, um, which is part of you know, the ocean part around the Atlantis. So I presume this is where she was going to go. So I'm just going to talk a bit about Carla's Instagram. It is still up. Um, the handle or the username is Carla V. So just the letter V, Eden. So Eden is E-E-D-E-N. Um, you know, it's a Dutch South African surname. Carla's Instagram is still up. Now, someone hacked it in 2019, and by that point, Carla was gone, selling sunglasses and shit like that, um, which is one of those scammy things. But scrolling back from that, you can still see everything that she posted. One thing that did stand out to me is that maybe Carla wasn't particularly big on posting to Instagram. She was only posting monthly. Her last photo that she posted this is where this is going to confuse you, but I'll explain it. So to me, it says May 16th, 2018. Now, she probably had passed away by that point. So it then stood out to me that I'm looking at it in Australian time, which is way ahead of the United States. Um, it's like sometimes up to 24 hours ahead. So technically, I believe that this photo was posted hours before she probably died um, and maybe an hour or two after she was last seen on the 15th of May. But this photo is her and another woman by the pool and I'm not sure who that woman is. So before that, before she was in the Bahamas, Carla did not post for a month but in April, so the month before, there were pictures of her at Cancun. She'd gone to Coachella Festival. She had gone to LA and gone to a Lakers game. And before that, there was like years of her in Spain, which is what led me to believe that she was probably based on yachts out of Mallorca and places like that because pretty much from 2015 when she got Instagram um, until 20. 18, early in the year, she was in Spain. Carla looked really happy in all her photos and it looked like a really fun holiday. It looked like she had met people all over the world and she had friends everywhere. You could also tell that Carla's girlfriends meant, you know, the world to her. Her Instagram was started, as I said, in late 2015. She Her first post was on Christmas Day 2015. She was in Mallorca at the time. So I have to presume that she was based in Spain and that she'd worked on these yachts probably for three years. So that's a pretty cool job for, you know, a girl who's only 20, 21, 22. But all in all, on her Instagram, there is only 12 photos all up over the course of three years. So maybe she posted more to other platforms or Facebook. She only had 245 followers and it stood out to me that on her most recent photo that was taken probably the day she died in the Bahamas, there were no um, RIP comments bar um, one. So I have to presume that wasn't her main um, social media and also that this case didn't get a whole lot of coverage because I've noticed that Gabby Petito has like over a million followers now, which always stands out as really strange to me because she's no longer posting on her Instagram. Um, but it's that kind of notoriety that comes with being a high profile murder victim. 
So to recap, her final photo is posted on the 15th of May. It's her and another woman that I feel like she probably met at the pool or something like that. I don't believe it's the woman that will come into this story as we get into it. I really want it clarified who's in that photo, but you can never find the answer. But I don't think it's this notorious woman that I'll get into. On the photo, the caption on Instagram is Bahama Mamas. So on the 14th, after checking into the Atlantis, um, she just did her thing. She booked her spot with the dolphins and then she obviously went to bed. So on May 15th, the following day, Carla did not show up for her planned swim with dolphins, which she was so excited about. Now, there is no reason that she shouldn't have shown up for this. She'd put down a $150 deposit. She was really excited and it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. She was alive though because she continues that day to be seen and have interactions with people in the hotel. So there's never an explanation why she didn't turn up to it. I kind of get the feeling that she slept through it or she was a little bit hungover or tired or she forgot. But I don't think it's a major issue. Um, it's just, you know, maybe like a brain fart. So on May 15th, 2018, Carla is seen alive and well at the hotel pool. So after she misses the dolphin swim in the morning, Carla is last seen publicly in the afternoon of May 15th at the Atlantis's hotel pool bar, where according to, um, what is it? IT News. Sorry, there's just so many sources I've used. Um, I News, sorry, UK. Quote, where she is said to have been involved in a dispute with an unknown couple over paying for drinks, according to local news reports. Staff said she and the man and woman were at odds over who would pay for a round of shots. A cocktail server testified at the inquest that Carla did not appear depressed, unquote. So yes, this is where we're going to get into this couple, who they were, although I don't even think that the police know who they are at this point. Carla's death and whether or not that this interaction or dispute out of the blue hours before she died has anything to do with her death. And I do want to say, um, trigger warning, we will be talking about elements of suicide. Um, so keep that in mind. So later on, I'm just going to skip forward. The Atlantis Hotel hired an American ex detective who was based out of Miami to investigate Carla's death. I find this troublesome and problematic because of course they're always going to find in the favor of the hotel. Um, if you hire someone, you need to let like the independent police do their thing. And I will say from the outset that to this day, this man does not believe there's any evidence of foul play in the death of Carla Van Eden, but because he is paid for by the Atlantis Hotel, um, I kind of take what he says with a grain of salt. His name is John Burmaster. He used to be on the, fi the first 48 or the final 24 or something like that in the States, so he was kind of like, you know, a celebrity cop. So the subsequent investigation into Carla's death puts the timeline of the 15th of May as this. So Carla arrives to what's called the Cove Pool. It's one of the pools of the resort. She arrives at 12.11pm on May 15th, which is what indicates to me that she's probably slept in and missed her dolphin swim, which really sucks. <laughs> so 
it could have changed the course of everything um, if you believe in chaos theory and things like that. So Carla, a server, because they're all about, you know, tourism and everyone having a good experience, helped her find a spot by the pool to sit on one of the lounges. She then proceeded to have a few cocktails that were served to her by this particular server who came over to her. It's all, you know, very posh. You get served by the pool. And they conversed a little bit. Now, the server said that she was there by herself and she told him that she was on holidays by herself. She was very engrossed in her phone. This server who was a male said that he told her that it was unusual for a woman to travel by herself to a resort like that. Um, And he said that she seemed really engrossed in her phone. Now, I know exactly as a woman what she was probably doing. She was probably trying to lose him because he was asking too many questions and annoying her. Um, But she basically said, no, I've just gone through a breakup and I'm on a holiday and I just wanted to quote unquote get away. So when he realized that she was engrossed in her phone, which we all do when we're nervous and we're by ourselves and it's just something that you do, people are less likely or less comfortable just sitting there and looking into space these days. And I think we all know that. Um, he left, he let her be and just occasionally came up to her and asked her if she needed anything. So she was by the pool. She had a swim. She went back. She had another cocktail. She then went over to the pool bar. Um, and this was when she started talking to a couple who will never publicly be named. And I'm not entirely sure if they even know who they are. So she met this couple and starts talking to them at the bar. She started her own tab for her room. So she was in one of the rooms on the third floor. It's like 3583 or something. Um, And she said, can I start a tab so that when I check out in a couple of days, I can just pay for it all up front, which is pretty standard. She ordered a vodka soda at the time. And from everything that I can find, she was mainly drinking vodka, not mixing things that will really make you sick. So it was like vodka cranberry, vodka soda, um, things like that. The waitress said she was quiet. She was happy. Um, she was really nice. Everything was all fine. She was looking at her phone. So she starts talking to this couple at the bar. I don't know how old they were. It's never mentioned, but a witness said that the man was an African-American. Um, and the woman was described by the waitress who was at the bar as quote unquote mixed. The waitress said that they were getting along great, talking to Carla. I have to presume that these people were older than Carla, even though they've never said what their ages were or what the waitress estimates they were at. That's kind of what I picture, 30s or 40s. So, you know, she was with them for a couple of hours, just chatting and things like that. And the waitress at the bar puts it as all in all during her afternoon by the pool, Carla had five drinks vodka and soda or vodka and cranberry. At one point, this couple shouted the three of them seven shots, um, but the waitress did not see if Carla had one of these shots. But at 25 years old and only drinking vodka, it sounds like, you know, me at 25, she probably didn't like, you know, um, whiskey or anything like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So who knows if she drank it? She may have just drank it to be polite or whatever. So this is where things turn nasty, which commonly happens when it comes to alcohol and money. And commonly, I hate to say it, but happens with women who are territorial over their men and attractive younger women who probably don't want anything to do with them, but they see you as a threat. So 
there's a local newspaper in the Bahamas called The Tribute 242, and they went into really good depth on this interaction, which is reiterated at the later inquest where everybody was called and had to go through what happened that afternoon. So I'm going to read to you directly from that. Quote, Obadiah Charlton, an attendant at the Cove Pool, and Lashanda Higgs, a cocktail server, both said Miss Van Eden and the couple were at odds over who would pay for the latter's round of shots. And the woman in the couple allegedly bore some animosity towards Miss Van Eden for not wanting to pay for her and her male partner's drinks. According to Miss Higgs and Mr. Charlton, while Miss Van Eden was steadfast about paying for her own drinks and not theirs, the couple, particularly the woman, somehow figured Miss Van Eden would foot the bill. The matter didn't escalate, as when Miss Higgs let the couple know that Miss Van Eden specifically instructed her not to place their drinks on the tab, the girlfriend looked at Miss Van Eden and simply said, okay, and paid for her and her partner's drinks. But that okay, though seemingly pleasant, had a hidden meaning, Miss Higgs said, and that was one that was laced with displeasure, unquote. So somewhere along the line, someone has said, let's get shots. Now, I have to presume it's the couple, as if Carla is going to shout seven shots at 25 years old of whiskey. And then somehow they've tried to get her to pay for them. Now, kudos to Carla. She puts her foot down and she tells Miss Higgs, who's the cocktail server, do not put their drinks on my tab. I'm not paying for them because I did not ask for the drinks, Um, which indicates to me that Carla didn't drink any of them. And they don't get mouthy with her, but every single woman knows what that okay means in what the woman from the couple said. It's she's been aggressive and now she's about to do something passive aggressive. And I have met so many in my life, women, um, who have said that. And I think we all know, no woman goes from you're paying for this to, okay, there's something underneath that, okay. And there's a lot of guys who are listening who are nodding their heads as well. Um, We are a interesting breed, us women. So Carla puts her foot down. She is not paying for that. And that's the end of that. Things are kind of on a sour note. And at 4.38 p.m., so around four and a half hours after she arrived at the pool, she leaves the pool area alone with a drink in her hand, which means she's not done with her fun, but she's leaving this situation. So one thing I have an issue with is in the inquest, they discuss the times when things happen. Carla leaves the pool area at 4.38pm on that afternoon after this kind of dodgy interaction with this couple. She has a drink in her hand. Now, they say that she gets to her room at 5.11pm. Now, this is a big resort, but it does not take over half an hour to get to your room on foot from where she was at the pool. That's just not possible. So I wonder what she was doing, whether she went elsewhere to sit on the beach, um, just to get away from these people, um, whether or not she went and browsed in some shops at the place. She did something for probably 20 minutes. It doesn't seem crucial to the story though. Now, CCTV picks Carla up walking down the hall on the third floor towards her room. And they say at the inquest that Carla appears slightly intoxicated. From 5.11, when she gets to her room, Carla does not leave her room again 
and no one other than two hotel maids enter the room until the 17th of May, which is in two days time from now. No guests enter her room, no nothing. This is all caught on CCTV because these big hotels obviously have this to protect their guests. Um, this is not released publicly, this CCTV, but a number of independent witnesses, including the American detective or ex-detective, um, have viewed it. And they picked up on quite a lot of things in the CCTV that makes me think that they watched all of it. They probably fast forwarded through bits, but they picked up on little things that indicate to me that they definitely know Carla did not leave and no one went in. So according to the Tribune, the couple that she had had the run-in with left the pool area around 30 minutes after Carla did. Now, does this indicate that they didn't know where she was staying? I don't know. I don't know if she mentioned what room she was in, what floor she was on, but I find it interesting that it took Carla 33 minutes to get to her room on foot, which... I mean, even Heathrow doesn't take you 33 minutes to get to your gate on foot and it's huge. Um, so, you know, I just wonder what happened in that time. But nonetheless, Carla got to her room by herself, but she did seem slightly intoxicated. Now, she seems like a small, smallish girl, relatively short. She had had five drinks, but it was over the course of four hours. Was she starting to feel it? I, I don't know. Depends on her weight, if she'd had anything to eat before. Um, I can't say that. But she'd had five cocktails max in that time and she could barely walk to her room after having a fight with a random couple. And I myself find that strange. CCTV continues to run the entire time, 24 hours. Carla was in room 3583. So she gets back to her room at just after 5pm on the 15th, flash forward to the morning of the 16th of May at 11.30. She's been in her room that entire time. She's never exited to get anything to eat, to go for dinner, to get breakfast, anything like that. At 11.30am on the 16th of May, a mini barmaid is seen on the footage entering the room and she's only in the room for about 19 seconds. Now this means that she just went to the mini bar, checked if anything was used, refilled, left. Around midday, not long after, a housekeeper who works for the Atlantis, she's on footage, she walks into Carla's room, lets herself in and she leaves 40 seconds later. I don't know what she saw, but we have to presume that she didn't see what she could have seen, which we'll be getting into shortly. I have to presume she maybe just stripped the bed, checked to see if there was any rubbish or anything like that to empty out of the bin, but I have to presume she probably didn't go into the bathroom. From that point on, no one enters or exits Carla's room until her body was discovered in the early morning hours of the 17th of May. So, on the 16th of May, to recap, the mini barmaid and housekeeping both went in and did not report anything suspicious. Nobody else entered or exited Carla's room, at least not from the main corridor, which is something that I kind of will get into more later. The subsequent investigation, watching the cameras with different people watching the CCTV recordings found that the only person other than those two maids who went anywhere near Carla's door 
was a guest who was lost. They go to go to Carla's door, they see the door number and they realise that their room is actually across the hallway. They're all disoriented. They turn around and they go into that room. Nothing else happens. Carla does not leave this entire time to get any food or anything and she's on a very short trip to the Bahamas so you would think she would be out by the pool having cocktails. At least you need to eat at some point. So on May 16th, that day, later that day after the maids had been in, her friend Lauren Burke rang the hotel because she had not heard from Carla and Carla was online quite a lot. I have to presume Lauren was the one that Carla was going up to Las Vegas to visit. No report says how Lauren knew her, but Lauren was a good enough friend to know that it was weird for Carla to not be in contact as she contacted the hotel to check on her in her room. In the early morning hours, and they don't say what the time was, but Lauren reported to the hotel that she didn't know where Carla was in the afternoon to evening of the 16th, and it was the following morning on the 17th, which makes sense to me. They probably just thought she was probably asleep. They walked in to Carla's hotel room. It was the hotel manager and a security supervisor who let themselves into Carla's room. They look in the main part of the room. It is pretty much immaculate other than Carla's luggage and things like that. They then go into the bathroom. Um, They look behind the bathroom door and they find Carla hung to death, hanging from a hook that is hanging on the back of the bathroom door. So Carla probably would have died around the 15th and this is what I think. Um, They've never said exactly when but to me she would have had to have got some food at some point on the night of the 15th um, and she at least would have on the morning of the 16th. Um, I don't know how housekeeping did not see her body but the housekeeper was only in there um, for 40 seconds. The first one was the bar fridge made so she wouldn't have gone into the bathroom the second one was only in there for 40 seconds and maybe the bathroom door was opened so that when she opened it Carla was on the back of it and she didn't even realize it Carla was found on the 17th of May and that was the day that she was due to fly back up to Las Vegas to meet her friend Instead, her body was discovered hanging in her hotel bathroom with no warning, no explanation. According to the Times South Africa, Carla was found wearing what they describe as blue all-in-one pyjamas, which makes me think that it's either like a little play suit or jumpsuit or it's a onesie. They don't clarify. The room was described as undisturbed. So let's get into the investigation and the two subsequent autopsies that were performed on Carla's body. So Carla's body was autopsied at least the first time in the Bahamas. They don't clarify where the autopsies happened, um, but I have to presume both were in the Bahamas, although they were around six weeks apart. So she underwent two autopsies. The first one seems... I would call it haphazard and lazy. We've talked about this on previous episodes. This guy was a local pathologist in the Bahamas. His name is Dr. Kiko Bridgewater. And his findings were very different to the later one that would happen. He described Carla's body as being, quote, in immaculate condition. Now, Carla... Later on, on the second autopsy, it would be found that Carla had 62 separate injuries found on her body, and he records 
none of them in the first autopsy. He took two photos of the whole autopsy. The later one would take a lot more. Um, and his final finding when he missed all, he didn't even write a tiny scratch. He said she was perfect. Um, and you'll find that that's not the case. So I think he was just lazy. That's my personal belief. And he just didn't care about his job. He saw this for what it, he thought it was. And he put her down as dying from asphyxia due to hanging um, and most likely suicide. Now, when you look up news reports from that time, almost every single one is based off this guy's first autopsy. And it says that she killed herself. Every headline is... South African woman kills herself in hotel. Um, they didn't even wait for later findings or a second autopsy or anything like that. Like with most of the episodes of this, it came down to tourism and they did not want to fuck that up. <laughs> so I have to talk about how Carla was found and what she was hanging from because you're probably wondering about that. So the Tribune describes how she was found, quote, Miss Van Eden was found hanging from a green and white cell phone lanyard around her neck, which was in turn hanging from a garment hook on the back of the bathroom door. According to local pathologist Dr. Kiko Bridgewater, the lanyard was double looped loosely around her neck, unquote. So I think that's the only part he got right of the whole thing. So it was a phone lanyard, which surprising that it wouldn't break because lanyards are kind of held together by one of those flimsy clip parts um, but it was double looped over itself keep that in mind there's never been clarification on if this green and white phone lanyard belonged to Carla or someone else so for some reason, which I can't figure out, the second autopsy was done by another pathologist on June 29th, 2018. This was a month after Carla's death. Whether this was in um, Bahamas or South Africa, I'm not sure, but I kind of err on the side of South Africa. They do not state. But I want to read to you because this pathologist, Dr. Linda Liebenberg, um, was very thorough and picks up on things that Kiko clearly just did not give a fuck about recording. So I'm going to read to you from iNews, quote, Dr. Linda Liebenberg, was, who carried out the second autopsy on the 29th of June 2018, said she was taken aback and puzzled by the first report as she believed Carla died from the result of ligature strangulation and there had been a subsequent staging of the body to create the impression that she was hanged. She said the young woman also had numerous scratches, bruises and abrasions about her body, which suggested she had been involved in a violent struggle. In total, Dr. Liebenberg's report noted 62 injuries, 58 of which were unequivocally found to have occurred either prior to or at the time of her demise. The expert also asserts that, that the deceased had drag mark abrasions on large parts of the rear of her body, as well as an area of bruising to the back of her neck. Her autopsy noted that Carla's urine had tested positive for opiates, unquote. Now, just to touch on the opiates part, because I know you'll come back to that and I mean, I have to as well. Google reminded me when I looked this up that opiates and opioids are two different things and opioids are the synthetic version of opiates. Opiates 
because that's how they say it in the inquest. So I have to go with what that's what it was. Opiates, examples of these are morphine, opium, heroin, or even codeine, which you can find, you know, in cold and flu tablets or painkillers. I highly doubt that Carla was walking around with morphine or heroin or opium in her luggage in a foreign country. She just does not seem like the type. The pathologist did not specify which opiates or what quantity were found. Because they haven't gone into detail of that, I can't speculate if that had a hand in rendering her unconscious or anything like that. It could be as simple as taking painkillers. Codeine is very regulated where I live in Australia, um, but I don't think it is in the Bahamas and the Caribbean. So back to Dr. Liebenberg's findings of the second autopsy. So Carla, she noted, had this bruise on the back of her neck. Um, now, the first pathologist put it down to hanging, but that doesn't make any sense because your head is like tilted forward when you're hanging. So why would she have a bruise on the back of her neck? So Dr. Liebenberg, the second pathologist, she believed that she calls it a rabbit chop and she believes that a rabbit chop caused this bruise. So a rabbit chop, which I think, I don't know what you, what you would call it in Australia, um, like a karate chop. It's a sh it's referred to as a swift, sharp blow to the nape of her neck, um, which could render her unconscious or it could do serious damage. Dr. Liebenberg also said that she observed a patterned imprint on some of the injuries on Carla's body and that she photographed these extensively. Of course, these crime scene photos have never been released. She said that she thought that these patterns that were on her body were caused by a woven surface. So maybe the fact that she was on a rug or the carpet or something like that at some point. As for the scratch marks on Carla's body, Dr. Liebenberg believes that some of them may have been self-inflicted inadvertently um, when Carla was fighting for her life. It's important to note that Carla had what they refer to as long acrylic nails um, and that she had used these to scratch the person who was attacking her and in the process scratched her own body. Now, I've had acrylics on and off for 20 years and they can do some serious <laughs> fucking damage. Um, and the issue with this is that the first pathologist who reported his dodgy autopsy, noted that Carla's body was immaculate as far as he was concerned and that her fingernails were completely fine, perfect. It did not seem like they were, you know, um, used in any kind of self-defense or anything like that. Now, as someone who's had acrylics like on and off and I'm sure, or gel nails, and I'm sure a lot of you have, sometimes when they're really thick, it surprises you how much they can endure. Now, Carla's hair was also intact. I believe this is something that both pathologists agree on. No hair had been torn out or anything like that. So it didn't seem like someone was grabbing her by the hair or that she was grabbing herself by the hair. But Dr. Bridgewater, the better pathologist, sorry, the dodgier pathologist, indicated that Dr. Liebenberg's autopsy, which was done a month later, had altered Carla's body because her body was quote-unquote fresh during his first autopsy. And he believed that the second autopsy findings were likely the result of quote-unquote post-mortem 
artifact that mimics bruising to the untrained eye. So basically, I believe it's what they're referring to as lividity or the fact that your body can get kind of a mottly color and that the untrained eye, so he's sliding her in that moment because she's also a pathologist. Um, she's looking at it like it's a bruise that happened before she died, but he's like, no, no, this is something that happens to the body after you die. So the, the I have to laugh, the attorney for the Atlantis Hotel, a woman called Giselle Pyfram, she said that the bruises on Carla's body were sustained because Carla had been, quote unquote, very rough going down the water slides the day that she had died. So she had been flinging herself all over these water slides and she had 62 independent bruises to show for its scratches, a giant one on the back of her neck. Yep. So back to Dr. Bridgewater, the first guy, I just want to kind of flesh out what he said about Carla's nails. So Carla had acrylic nails and they were painted pink. He said that they were quote unquote immaculate, that there was nothing found underneath them. But I can't even say if he checked underneath them because he took two photos through this whole thing and missed 62 independent markings, which regardless of how they happened, should have been on the autopsy. So how do we even know that he checked underneath them, sent anything away for testing, anything like that? He also um, said that he saw no signs of anything on Carla's neck, despite the fact that the second pathologist was able to prove a mark on the back of Carla's neck with photographs. The subsequent inquest that would take place later, um, both of them were clearly against each other and both were steadfast in what they believed, the first pathologist and the second pathologist. Um, the second pathologist, who sorry, who performed the second autopsy, she suggested that Carla's body seemingly to her was staged on the back, on the hook on the back of the bathroom door to make the death look like a suicide. So the Tribune, the Tribune 242 in the Bahamas stated something, just one line in an article that I had to write down because it really stood out to me. Um, they talked about the inquest and what was put forward. And the inquest was very good. Um, it was very thorough. Um, it surprised me. It's done a little bit differently to here in Australia or in the UK, how a coroner's inquest would be done. Um, but they have a jury inquest situation in the Bahamas. So in the inquest, they talked about how where Carla was hung, she easily could have stood up. The photographs that they took apparently show Carla with her legs bent um, because that's how kind of low the hook is on the back of the bathroom door. They said that Carla was easily tall enough to stand up from hanging herself if she wanted to. All she had to do was stand up, but she was slumped over and hanging. Now, most of you will know that your body will fight instinctively to survive in that situation. It's why you can't really hang yourself and it's really hard to drown yourself without having help. So the only option to me is that the opiates in Carla's system meant that she was unable to stand up. Um, and there's a very similar case that True Crime Garage covered Jessica Johnson. She was a young woman in America who was found in a similar situation hung from a mailbox. I suggest looking up that episode and listening to it. Very similar situation. And I just want to read to you from the UC Davis University website about the short-term effects of opiates because maybe this will change your opinion on what position Carla could have been in if she happened to be slipped a drug. 
if that's what happened. Quote, the short-term effects of opiate use include pinpoint pupils, constipation, eyelid droop, head nods forward, insensitivity to pain, confusion, and depressed respiration, slowed breathing. Depressed respiration is the most dangerous, leading to the risk of brain damage caused by hypoxia, insufficient amount of oxygen reaching the tissues, and in some cases, death by overdose, unquote. And that's very similar to the last episode we did, 114 on Max Spears, um, the effects of the drugs on his system. Depressed respiration was one of them, the combination of drugs he was on. So a family friend set up a GoFundMe at the time, which raised around £13,000. It was for the family to be able to get to the Bahamas from South Africa, which is quite a long way, for the inquest that was planned into Carla Van Eden's death, and also for them to hire a top forensic pathologist from South Africa. The last update that they posted was on November 1st, 2019, the year after Carla died, giving an up an update on the completed inquest and what had happened. So here's what happened at the inquest at the tail end of 2019. Both pathologists, <laughs> the first one who said that there was no marks and everything was all fine and she had killed herself, um, and the later one, the second one, the woman who said that it was clearly a murder, they were polar opposite opinions. They both spoke, they both stood in their findings and they both stood by their findings. Now the Bahamas have a very different kind of inquest system to what I've ever heard of. Basically it acts as similar to a coroner's inquest like we've talked about on previous episodes particularly that take place in Australia and the UK but instead they have an independent jury that is chosen. It's kind of like a grand jury but to see if it then gets given to the Governor General of the Bahamas who can pursue criminal you know, proceedings. And what happens from this Bahamas inquest will probably determine, you know, the course of a case and how seriously it's taken as a crime. So there were five jury members um, and they presented all the details of the investigation and Carla's death and the jury went away, deliberated and came back with a verdict. Now, what do you think that was? So the five jury members ruled three to two that Carla's death was a murder. So the majority decided that it was indeed a murder and that the first pathologist was dead wrong. Carla's brother Johan told iNews at the time, quote, to have this official verdict is a relief. We always knew suicide didn't make sense and we suspected someone else had been involved in her death. It's been incredibly hard for us to grieve for Carla while we don't know how she died and who killed her. So what happens after that is that the finding then goes to the country's attorney general to confirm the case will be investigated as a murder. So far, that has not happened and it's been two years. And I have to probably presume because of COVID that it's still pending. There was a recent update in October, so about one month ago, in the Nassau Guardian, which talks about that. So I'm going to read to you from that. But first I want to say that the inquest found that it was most likely murder, which means that it then goes to the Attorney General of the Bahamas to follow up with criminal proceedings in who likely killed her, which I guess in this instance they would have to point towards this couple that she had this argument with, or they had an argument with her, she wasn't really doing anything. 
because the hotel was not happy that the inquest found that it was murder because this looks really bad for the hotel and they're trying to cover tourism. It's pretty much a common thread in this whole podcast. They had appealed the inquest's murder finding and wanted it to be scrapped. But this particular news from one month ago is really, really good for Carla and her family. Quote, the Atlantis Resort has withdrawn an appeal against the finding by a coroner's jury that a South African guest was murdered on its property. Atlantis, trading as Island Hotel Corporation, dropped the appeal against the jury's finding to avoid any further distress to Van Eden's family, the resort's lawyer, Viola Major, told the court. Senior Justice Bernard Turner, who was scheduled to hear the appeal, said that he would have liked to have heard the arguments. When Turner asked Crown Prosecutor Destiny McKinney if the Attorney General's office had asked police to begin a murder investigation, she said they had not, unquote. So part good news, the fact that they've dropped the appeal, the hotel, part bad news because no criminal charges have followed up and no murder investigation has happened. So this is where I'm going to kind of stream of consciousness go through things that occurred to me, things that I wrote down and kind of come to some sort of conclusion about what I think happened to Carla Van Eden. So what this boils down to is whether Carla Van Eden's death was a murder, a suicide or an accident. It can only be one of the three and then those three kind of diverge off into different theories which I'll kind of put forward at the end of this. So I have to go through different things that stood out to me. Now, the first thing is obviously this interaction with the couple at the bar. If you take them out of the equation and Carla dies, you're more likely to put her down as a suicide. But the way that that panned out, how aggressive they were or the woman was about Carla paying for the round, either means that these are a couple of just chances hanging out at the bar cheapskates who are trying to get people to spend their money so they don't have to and that they didn't do anything wrong, that the interaction with Carla ended when Carla walked away, you know, and exited that situation. It's pretty clear to me that Carla left the pool even though she wasn't intending to because she just was removing herself from that situation. I would be interested to know where Carla went for that 30 minutes between leaving there and then, you know, being at her room. Maybe she was watching the sunset. I don't know. They don't say. Every woman listening to this knows exactly what the mentality of that woman was at the bar and the man. You're a bitch if you do not take the drink that someone is offering you, particularly when it comes to a man. You're a you know, pain in the ass. What's your fucking problem? It happens all the time. But at the same time, you know, you're a bitch if you don't pay for your round. But it just so happens that Carla's round was seven shots of whiskey, which in the Bahamas would be really expensive. So it just makes me think that these people were trying to get someone else to pay for their drinks. And then somehow that can be twisted into this woman thinking that Carla's trying to steal the woman's man. Um, My brain kind of, you know, just goes on a big tangent when I picture this interaction colors, you know, a good looking young woman by herself. Um, and who knows what they were trying to do or, you know, was Carla drunk off five drinks? She is quite small from what I can tell. She is quite short. I can say that she probably was not on opiates. 
Um, I very much doubt that Carla willingly knew she was taking any of that. That really stands out to me. How would someone get into Carla's room if the CCTV ran the entire time, people watched it the entire time to see if anyone entered the room and no one did? Firstly, I want to go back to the guy who was paid by the Atlantis to investigate this. I'm sure he's a good dude and I'm sure that he saw some shit when he was a cop in Miami, a detective, and now he's paid to kind of do an independent investigation. How independent can an investigation be when it's paid for by the hotel that does not want this to be happening, hence the appeal against the inquest findings? I can't tell you. So I will take that with a grain of salt, but I do believe that those cameras were probably thoroughly checked. I don't know if I believe in this instance that anything would have been missed because they caught that guest going to Carla's door, thinking it was their door, and then leaving. They caught the two maids going in. Mistakes do happen, though. Who knows if someone was missed on that? But if someone wasn't missed and they saw all of it, it means that no one entered Carla's room, at least from her front door. If they missed anything, who knows? So this is where I go back to mentioning where she stayed and trying to look for a layout of the hotel online. And all I could get was photos of the different suites and things like that. Carla stayed at the Atlantis Royal Towers. Short of calling the Bahamas and finding out, I went on their website for options for rooms. Now the Royal, as it's known, has a variety of floor plans and suites. And Carla was staying on the third floor. So they have basic guest rooms and then they have suites and these are for you know everything from one two to twelve people most have balconies of some sort Carla's would have had a very basic thin balcony no seating on it but then the more expensive suites you know have larger balconies with whole dining tables on them some of the suites and rooms have terrace views, some have ocean views, some have harbour views and some have water views and you can choose that when you book on their website. Carla was in room 3583 which means that she would have been on the third floor. It was confirmed that nobody could have gotten up from the outside. Now that's a scary thought that someone would scale up to the third floor to get in through an unlocked balcony door. And even then you just wouldn't know if her balcony would be unlocked anyway. But in the inquest, it was confirmed that no one could have gotten up there. Firstly, because there was no construction outside at the time. So there was no ladders or anything that anyone could use. No one saw anyone scaling the wall to get up from the outside. They also discussed in the inquest whether or not someone could have gotten to Carla's room from the outside, jumping the balconies over. Now, the American detective who was hired by the Atlantis to look into this basically came to the conclusion that the walls that are made of stone on the outsides of the rooms, you know, where the balconies are, it's like stone columns and it's too smooth to be able to grab hold of anything to scale across, say, the person was it two doors down to get into Carla's balcony. Now, I don't know who this couple was or where they were staying. We don't know if Carla ever even told them. I mean, who knows? That can be something that comes up in a conversation if you're staying at the same hotel. Oh, where are you staying? I'm on, you know, I'm halfway down the hallway on level three, that kind of thing. 
but thanks to YouTube, there are always people who film their rooms from a hotel, you know, and post it, their video to YouTube. And I found a guy called Mathers on the Map, who's a travel vlogger, who filmed his single room at the Royal, which I have to presume would be almost identical to what Carla would have had. It has an incredibly narrow balcony, no just enough to kind of step out and just stand there, um, no seating or anything like that. Now, funnily enough, he actually goes into the bathroom and he kind of films the bath, which is you walk in, open the door and it's behind the door on the left. He funnily enough actually like closes the door and films the back of the bathroom door for a second and there is a hook on the back of the door which is clearly for a robe or a towel or something like that to dry off and this is what Carla was hung from. Now the couple that Carla had had the run-in with left the pool according to the servers who witnessed it 30 minutes after Carla so they stuck around and then went wherever they went. They didn't follow her immediately after she left, and I don't know if she said where she was staying. As I said, there's a lag between her leaving the pool area and getting back to her room. She was somewhere for around 33 minutes, according to CCTV, and this couple left 30 minutes after. Do we know if they had run into Carla somewhere else? Who knows, but it's a really, really big resort, so who knows? There's like 7,000 staff members. But reading the inquest findings, I get a strong vibe that Carla was done with this couple and the interaction and kind of got the heebie-jeebies from it, which I totally understand. As a woman by yourself, son, suddenly someone is having a go at you and trying to get you to pay for a round of drinks you never even, you know, ordered. Um, I highly doubt that if they knew where she was staying and knocked on her door and somehow it was missed by CCTV that she would let them into her room in any capacity. Um, not even if they came to the room, I was sorry for how I spoke to or anything like that. Again, no one is sighted at her door for this entire time. They're not on cameras going in there. Nobody comes or goes except for that lost guest and two hotel maids until her body is discovered on the morning of the 17th of May. Carla does not leave at all and no couple enters. Now, I like a conspiracy, but I don't believe any footage was edited or wiped. I just can't think that. But then again, this is a very rich area with a lot of tourists at stake who may not like the fact that, you know, someone was killed in this hotel. Who knows if footage was edited or parts were cut out. And that's when I became really stumped because I started to think maybe it was a suicide because all I was thinking was someone scaling the outside of the balconies to get into her balcony and get into the room. And even if you do that and you end up on the balcony, who knows if it's locked anyway, the door. And then what happens? You start knocking on the balcony door, hoping that she'll open it. I highly doubt that. But then I thought it cannot be suicide. And I just can't bring myself to believe that. The autopsy, the second one that is thorough, shows a violent struggle and I believe that. I don't believe that Carla, before her death, was walking around with 62 independent injuries on her body. I just can't believe that. The inquest found it to be murder as well. The majority of the inquest jury found that it had to be murder after hearing everything and they heard more than what I've been able to read or put forward to you. Carla was also in a really good place in her life. She was happy. She was on an amazing trip. She was going 
in two days to Vegas to see one of her best friends. How cool is that? And then she was going to Guatemala and she was going to learn Spanish. She had tons to look forward to. And everybody who had an interaction with her said it was totally normal. This is not like the Marine Carver episode that we did where she was acting very strange and suddenly took off on a cruise in Alaska and then she disappeared on it and she didn't want to be around people. That was not like this with Carla. It's also very rare for a woman to murder, kill themselves in this way if it was suicide. A, to hang themselves, especially not when they're depressed or have a history of mental illness. It's more of a male thing. Bear in mind that Anthony Bourdain hung himself on a bathroom door with a tie from his bathrobe that was in his hotel. So that's another person we've covered that has died in a hotel bathroom. And if the thought of autoerotic asphyxiation has occurred to you, like Michael Hutchins from In Excess, this is super rare for a woman to do and it just does not fit in with Carla Van Eden and everything I know about her from the short time I've been reading about this. I'd be interested to know what her time of death was because it's never been confirmed publicly. The maid would be like, it would have to be the 15th. She never left her room after she got back there at around 5pm on the 15th. And you would think that after a day of drinking, you'd be hungry and you'd want to leave your room to get something or you'd have a spa trip or something. And you would at least leave by the morning of the 16th. But she never leaves, which makes me think that Carla was dead on the night of the 15th. So Carla by all accounts, would have been hanging on the back of that bathroom door that entire time, which means she most likely died close to the time that she left the pool and returned to her room. Otherwise, I just feel like she would have gone and done stuff on the night of the 15th or in the morning of the 16th. I would be interested to know if the room was dusted for fingerprints. I highly doubt that because it took so long for even the second autopsy to be done or if the lanyard was tested for DNA or it was shown to friends who knew Carla and had just been with her to see if they recognised the lanyard that had hung her. There's so many steps that I just hope that they did but I highly doubt they did. Um, I presume that the couple would have to have been identified because as much as there's so many guests at the time, you know, there's like 4,000 rooms, you would have to have CCTV of them near the pool from the time that Carla was found dead. You would just have to have someone who had said, oh, yeah, that American couple was next door to me, but who knows? They're, they've never been named publicly and they've never said that they know who this couple is. The only person who can kind of say who they were was the cocktail waitress who said that he was African-American and she described the woman as quote-unquote mixed. So who knows, maybe they're just out there in the ether and they'll never know who they are. But you would hope that they'd have a guest log to at least be able to say, all right, who of these guests were couples? All right, let's rule that out, that kind of thing. The American detective who was hired by the hotel still maintains it was suicide the pathologists both say something different and I'm more in inclined to lean on the side of the pathologist who was actually thorough. The thing that concerns me about the American detective is that he never talks about, um, he never tried to track down the couple or anything like that and it doesn't seem like anybody else did, not even the Bahamian police. You would think that 
they would at least interview them to get their side of the story. Um, the room was clean. It was described as clean and her hair was intact, but that really doesn't mean shit to me if she's unconscious by this point. She also isn't described as having been assaulted or raped, which almost always stands out to me as a woman being involved. It comes back to Carla, for me, seeming drunk, walking back to her room. Now, as someone who has been daytime drunk many times, I know that one standard drink generally processes per hour by your body. So if Carla was at the pool for four hours or so that afternoon, she may have been okay if they were standard drinks. She is small and maybe she could have been a little bit wobbly. It just depends on the person. But when she died... Your body stops processing all of that stuff and it remains the same, which is why they were able to find the opiates in her system six weeks later during the second autopsy. And your body stops processing alcohol. So this can only mean to me that she was drugged because in order to find the opiates, I don't know what the life is, the lifespan is inside your body, but it must have been enough to be detectable and it must have been enough um, to maybe make her wobbly. I've been watching this show. I It came out like three years ago. It's really good. Um, It's called Liar. I watched the first season about three years ago. It's a British show. I just found out they have a second season. I was watching it and they talk a lot about um drugging and things like that, Um, if you're interested. So the part about her being in her pajamas was a bit of a wild card for me initially, but then I thought, no, this is something that I would do. She probably had a shower after swimming at the pool to get chlorine off her skin. You always feel kind of sticky, maybe washed her hair and she maybe changed into something that was a little bit more comfortable while she got ready before she went and got something to eat or something. Sometimes when I've had a shower and I'm going to go out, I put on something like sleep stuff in order to get ready so I don't get makeup or hairspray or crap like that on my outfit that I'm going to be wearing to go out. Maybe on the 15th, she was just exhausted and maybe she just went to bed at five o'clock. I mean, it happens. What does shock me is the number of injuries she had um, and whether or not these would have been as visible if she was wearing a onesie at the time, if she was attached. So I don't know what kind of, they said it was like a one piece um, sleepwear. It could be like a little jumpsuit, which is kind of what I think it would be, especially being warm, you know, in the Bahamas. So this is where I broke down two options that stand out to me. So the first one, Carla had a dispute at the pool with this couple. She returns to her room. She has a shower, maybe she changes into her PJs and then she decides to kill herself with absolutely no warning at all and no history of mental illness. Somewhere along the way, she's taken opiates by the pool by herself. Maybe it was opiates purely from, you know, headache tablets that have codeine in them. She does it in such a violent, out-of-context way in a place that she's not familiar with when she has plans that, you know, eke out for months ahead of her. And she just happens to have, at the same time, abrasions across her entire body that make no sense. She is able to stand up. Um, from hanging herself, which instinctively she should be able to, but she does not, um, which is almost impossible, which means that she can't. So she's managed to drug herself, get herself completely drunk, and then in that span of time, hang herself. Or the next option is that Carla hangs herself while 
she is drunk or high and doesn't know what she's doing. Or Carla has a dispute at the pool at the Atlantis and while this big kerfuffle is going on about who's paying for the round of drinks, someone there puts opiates or something else that was out of her system by the time they found her because GHB and things like that process incredibly quickly and are often not picked up by standard drug tests. I think they process, you know, within 24 hours. And this is from the show Liar. Maybe that's why they're pushing her to pay for the round so that they could get her to the bar so that they can drug her drink while she's up there negotiating to pay for the tab. Um, But to me, it's the only way that she could have ingested any kind of opiates. Carla returns to her room later that day or that night, or maybe early the following morning, someone manages to get into her room. They're not caught on CCTV, the only explanations being that they were missed on the camera um, or they somehow scaled the outside of the building. They attack her, they hang her to cover it up on the back of the bathroom door. They close the door behind them so that when the maid comes, she just kind of pushes the door open, doesn't realise someone's hanging on the back and She's either dressed in her pyjamas this entire time or they dress her in her pyjamas afterwards because it's the nearest thing. To kill someone over a round of drinks not being paid for is crazy, but not everyone is sane in this crazy world. I just listened to last podcast on the left's multi-part series on Carla Hamolka and Paul Bernardo, and some people do not need a reason to be psychos, and sometimes couples bring out the worst in each other. As I said, this reminds me so much of the case of Jessica Johnson. I highly recommend looking that case up. True Crime Garage did a brilliant job of covering it a couple of years ago. She was found hanged from a mailbox where she was literally kneeling. um, And to this day, they still haven't looked into it as a murder, despite the fact that it would be incredibly hard to do that to yourself without being incapacitated. So what do I think? Weighing all this up, I believe the second pathologist, I believe the inquest jury, I believe Carla's family, um, I believe that she did not have any mental issues and I do not believe that she did this to herself intentionally. I believe that something happened and there's a really good explanation for why they aren't able to prove it, whether or not it was not thoroughly checked, the CCTV, whether or not they did not have enough non-weary independent eyes looking at that CCTV for that you know 48 hour period um, I believe that Carla was murdered and I believe that whoever it was has gotten away with it I hope that the hotel at least has an idea of who that couple is because if they're not guilty they should have come forward or they should be easy to track down and they should be able to tell their version of events Unfortunately, it happened in 2018. I doubt they have surveillance footage from the hotel for if the couple did come forward and say, oh, we were at one of the restaurant bars the whole night or we were at the restaurant, um, we were at the, sorry, hotel bars or we were at the restaurant um, on site. Would you be able to corroborate that? I don't know. I'm interested to know what you guys think. Um, I'm interested to know if you've worked on yachts and things like that, even though it's kind of secondary to this case. Um, And I'm interested to know if you've been to the Bahamas as well um, and what your experience was. This part of this reminded me of the Michaela Macarivi case in the sense that it happened at a five-star resort. You don't expect that to be able to happen. Usually in that instance, 
it's someone who works at the resort. In this instance, I don't feel that way. And I definitely don't think it was the housekeepers or anything like that because by the time they entered the room, it had been a couple of days. Carla had to leave the room eventually, but she didn't after she entered it. And why would that be? So I'm going to leave you with that. I hope that Carla's family gets justice or gets answers. Become a patron at patreon.com slash unknownpassagepodcast.com. Just go on the Patreon app and search for the podcast, Unknown Passage. Um, join the Telegram. You have to do it through Patreon, so you have to be a patron. Just ask me for the invite code. I'm on there on and off. We discuss cases and things like that. Um, I've got a cool little crew there. The website will be back up at some stage. I want to do a few little SEO things and stuff like that. I will either be back in one week or two weeks. Um, I just wanted to bring you a really interesting case to say that I'm fine and just to check in um, and say hey to y'all. Um, I had a whole list of true crime related things that I wanted to talk about that have happened since and I just can't think of them. The first one, obviously, was the Gabby Petito case and Brian Laundrie being found dead and that's kind of ongoing. That was a while ago at this point. Um, the second one, not that I will ever cover it on this podcast, but it is currently happening at the moment, is the William Tyrrell case, which is one of Australia's most famous missing people. He was only three when he went missing about seven years ago. Major developments in that case. Again, True Crime Garage, who's American, they covered that a couple of years ago. I listened back to it yesterday because I wanted to see if they had nailed anything that's kind of happening at the moment. And they actually had. <laughs> um, so it's currently looking like the foster parents who had William in their care may have done something to him um, and they have currently been charged with a couple of things. That never occurred to me that they could have been involved. She's just so believable um, in their interviews. It's just blown me away and I think it's blown most people away because I don't know anyone who didn't didn't feel sorry for them um, and it just kind of shows that what you think, what the general consensus is may not always be right. Um, yeah, don't really have anything else. Um, I hope that you're all having, you know, a good end of your year. I, I cannot believe 2021 is almost over. It has been a challenging one, um, but it has been a fun one because I've got to meet so many of you. Um, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I hope that you have a happy and safe Christmas um, and something good happens for you because it's been tough for so many people. Um, much love to you all. I will be back in a week or two. And thank you so much, Annalise, for this request. Bye.